You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope you all had a great weekend. I most certainly did, because Catawagi Brewing Company dropped the Cryptopsy collab brew. That's right, people. There is a Cryptopsy collab out there. You should absolutely head over to Kanawagi Brewing Company and pick it up. It is aptly called Cryptopsy, and it is a new world pilsner called Pilsner Supremacy. This is a pilsner that has been double dry hopped with mosaic hops, which is one of my favorite hops. It's absolutely stunning. You got some melon hints to it, but yet it finishes off with a super crisp cereal malty finish. It is absolutely Absolutely stunning. 4.8%. I strongly suggest you head on over to Kanawagi Brewing Company and pick it up. Very stoked to introduce today's Vox and Hops underrated gem. Today we have an, an excellent band from right here in Quebec. Their favorite beer is Trudziaux, Les Quatre Surfeurs de l'Apocalypse. Get ready, people. This is not enough from Upon Your Grave on today's Vox and Hops underrated gem. Do you smell death? There's something wrong! Right, right, right! Not 
What a great, great track. What a great band from right here in Quebec, where I am located. I love, I love, I love the bands that come out of Quebec. There's always something different about it, and that is absolutely true about Upon Your Grave. They have some new music, which is coming up in 2021, so keep your eyes on them. If you enjoyed Not Enough, the Upon the Grave track, please check them out via the links, which I have put in the description of this podcast. Today's Vox and Hops episode is brought to you by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal is Montreal's premier metal promoter. They normally put on a bunch of amazing shows all year long when there isn't a global pandemic. But not only that, they put on one of North America's sickest metal festivals. And trust me, people, when I say this, it's the absolute truth because I have played just about every metal fest out there and Heavy Montreal is up there with the best of them. I'm super, super stoked to have Heavy Montreal behind the Vox and Hops podcast. On today's episode, I'm super stoked to be with Dan Wyant of Zayo. Here it is. This is Vox and Hops, episode number 210. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I'm with Dan Wyant of Zayo. Uh, how you doing, Dan? Let's start with a very, very fun yet complex question. How have you been coping with this beautiful year of 2020? Been doing all right, I guess, uh, for in the grand scheme of everything going on. Uh, you know, doing well. Um, try to, uh, you know, uh, find the things I can't control or don't have control over and not worry about them. And the things I do, just try to focus and, you know, family and work and things like that and uh, I'm not necessarily a PMA type of guy, but you know, just trying to stay positive and uh, make use of the time. Um, primarily a tattoo artist for a living, and uh, so uh, there for from March until June, I wasn't able to work. And uh, in, in our state, it was uh, we're, we're lumped in with uh, the health and wellness industry, which is like salons and, and barbers and such. So, uh, fortunately, my wife still worked uh, throughout everything. So, you know, like I said, it kind of went through with the attitude that uh, things could have definitely been worse. You know what I mean? Or that's like, I guess that's all you can get through. And it's definitely been interesting, man. I'm 43 and it's like wild to have a year where you're like, man, okay. it's like, you know, I've been alive a while and all kinds of uh, just, man, things you'd never expect to happen. And, you know, so in some weird way, it's been kind of really eclectic and interesting and just, uh, it's almost like a surreal, like Twilight Zone episode or something, you know, but uh, I don't know. I would like it to end sometimes, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's definitely things I miss and such, I guess. It's just to uh, keep, you know, uh, keep my head down, work. Uh, there's been some weird uh, silver linings with beer, uh, where some breweries that I've always, uh, you know, chased after and things like that um, started doing, like, mail delivery, uh, you know, go on the computer and get other half and, uh, you know, equilibrium brewing delivered to my door for a short period of time, so... Uh, 
you know, look at the bright side. It's been uh, decent on the beer end of things. And, uh, but yeah, no, I'm looking forward to, but you know, at the same time, it's, uh, you know, chaotic. I know if you have kids, we have to homeschool half the week and mm. everyone's still working and that can get pretty, uh, you know, uh, stressful and, and such, but yeah, no, it's happy to have a minute to hang out and have a beer. You know absolutely. I mean? <laughs> absolutely. Uh, Vox and hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their lives, music and craft beer. What beer do you have on your side there, Dan? Uh, well, I picked, uh, actually brought a couple just in case they don't have to get up again. There's a, um, local brewery in Pittsburgh called Cinderlands and they did a, uh, collaboration with a brewery called hot butcher. Uh, they're up, uh, in the Chicago general area. Uh, it's the, it's called, it's the abbreviations of the states you drive through. So it's Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, PA. That's uh, cool. And uh, it's just an awesome, uh, just a uh, double hazy IPA. Hits all the marks, super soft, a little bit of kind of like pine resin uh, uh, presence. And then it has that nice kind of rounded like uh, pineapple peach uh, flavor, you know, so everything good, man. It's a kind of nice light straw color. Uh Gorgeous. I have a Third Moon Brewing Company oh, nice. out of Milton, Ontario. Uh, they are a young brewery, but they are just making the sickest metal-themed yeah. brews. I love it. It's uh, something that is, is still in the, in the infancy stages up here in Canada, having metal-themed breweries. And Third Moon is up there with the best of them. This is a Tranquility, a double IPA, 8.3%. Let me crack this open. Uh, shout out to Nathan who made sure that I got this in my hands, which I really appreciate. Uh, let's just dance into your craft beer journey as I pour this out. Tell me about, let's start at the beginning. Let's talk about that first beer. Do you remember your first beer, Dan? Yeah, well, I got into craft beer weird way, but then I remember one of the first ones that really uh, blew me away. I used to, uh, the town I lived in, Greensburg, uh, in my like mid-20s going into my early 30s. Yeah, that looks good. I like that glass too, sir. It's very nice. Yes, sir. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. And uh, there was a really cool bar called Red Star by my house. And um, it was kind of like, um, they, had like these, they had like some bar food and some fancy food. And it was the first place in the early 2000s that uh, we would go there just to hang out. And uh, the, the only beer they served there was beer they made. Mm. So, so you had about eight choices. And it was, a, it was a while back and that wasn't really something you saw much. And, and honestly, I went there, and I was at the time, I drank mixed drinks if I would go out. And and then, uh, so I started to get intrigued. And uh, actually, one of the first beers I had that impressed me was a black IPA. I just thought it was such a wild. I'd had, like, you know, all these different things, and I'd, craft beer was still young. We used to get to, uh, like, Victory and Trogues and things like that around here. And then, um, yeah, I started getting into it uh, just from that, you know, trying different beers. And um, the guy that was brewing those, he was very... Uh, it was a lot of like more like European traditional, you know, he did a lot of like, uh, like dunkles and, uh, you know what I mean? Proper lagers and things and such. But, um, yeah, so that was like, uh, my first thing into craft beer, we're going into a place with saying like, Hey, we only make, you know, our serve beer that we make here. And, uh, you know, they made this like super strong barley wine every Christmas. And then that was just like, it got me into it enough to like say like, Hey, there's like beer out there. That's not just, uh, you know, the same old thing. And then, uh, I met a couple friends, you know what I mean? I, and, uh, 
you know, here and there, they'd go uh, friends that would go out to Philadelphia and uh, New York City and places, and they would come back and have a you know a beer. Like I, I mean, bring back a heady topper or something like that. And, mm-hmm. But uh, one of the first when I knew I was hooked, man, is uh, it was uh, 2016. It was right around New Year's, and my friend uh, came back. He was like, I got a beer uh, from this place called Trillium, and it was in a big glass bottle. And it was a Congress Street. And he was like, "Wait, do you see when you pour it out? You can't even see through it." And you know what I mean. And I remember we drank that. That was the first like like proper kind of like unfiltered hazy beer I'd ever had. And ever since then, man, I've just been chasing the you know what I mean. Next best <laughs> one, I guess. But uh, you know, like I get you know all the lead ups, like having like Pliny, Heady Topper, all the kind of like uh, before the haze kind of. Our New England thing hit, you know, just the uh, kind of like West Coast, the uh, resinous beers. And uh, yeah, and then I, it took me a while, but I, I really like everything now, uh, you know. Actually, one of the other beers I poured out just to sip on was uh, they did a uh, Anchorage Brewing, did their 10 year. It's actually a cool label. Very it's, cool. Um, Hell yeah. It's just, it's just called 10 years, but it's actually a cuvee of uh, uh, bourbon barrel aged uh, stouts and barley wines. And then they conditioned it on. Uh, Coconut, uh, vanilla beans, cinnamon, and uh, cocoa nibs. So it's, uh, you know, something to sip on the side, you know? But, 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 um, <laughs> he's going back and forth. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I was, but usually if I have a couple beers at home, I'll, I'll open maybe like a stout in a small glass and drink an IPA and occasionally, you know what I mean? Just hmm. to, That's interesting. That's an interesting idea. Like a palate, a palate switcher upper. That's very interesting. And just to, uh, I don't know. I just enjoy. It took me a while to come around on like bigger stouts and wild ales, but um, eventually, I just really liked everything, you know. <laughs> and uh, the beer scenes got awesome around here. Uh, Pittsburgh was really rough even five, six years ago. It wasn't a lot of, you know, anything too crazy going on locally. We had poor distribution in the sense of like uh, not a lot of stuff landed here, pass us up for Philly or going the other way, Cleveland or something, and. Uh, so I get some decent breweries and you know, we're starting to get good beers in and now mail order and uh, getting order tired hands and all this stuff to your door. It's great. You know, it's a, I wish it would happen up here in, in in Quebec, at least it's, it's illegal still the archaic yeah. beer laws are just killing, killing the breweries up here, especially the small ones that don't have good distribution. So, so uh, I'm rallying for it and there, there's petitions and I'm signing everyone. Uh, this is delicious. It has a dank hoppy bite. It's uh, slightly creamy. Uh, you don't feel the 8.3%, which is always a dangerous, fun thing. And yeah. it's amazing. <laughs> I, I love it. Third Moon Brewing Company. Amazing. Uh, let's dance into uh, the soundtrack of your youth. When you were growing up in your parents' or guardian's house, what music was playing when you were not in control, Dan? What music did your parents or guardians listen to? Uh, it's nothing that crazy. My dad was always... Um, my parents split up when I was young, and I was a man with my mom. My dad was a classic rock guy, kind of through and through. He was at Woodstock and things like that, you know, so he... Uh, was kind of into, you know, the kind of like kind of core 60s, 70s stuff, you know, like, uh, anything, you know, from the doors to meatloaf to, you know, what have you. And actually, when I uh, was young, living with my mom, we uh, actually shared a house with my uncles for a long time. And they were in their early 20s and they would just play like 80s music. And, you know, at the time it was the 80s, though. So just like what was on the radio. <laughs> and, um, it, it wasn't, you know, and uh, it was just it was a stage called B94, actually. And um, I still have a weird kind of whatever for some of that stuff. It's just like good memories or, you know, whatever, childhood. But uh, in my um, 
when I was about 11 or 12, uh, is when I started to make friends and meet people that started to introduce me. So I got, I was fortunate to very young be introduced to a lot of pretty wild stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, I remember being 10 or 11, I was introduced to like Venom and things like that. You know what I mean? By a friend's brother. And then, um, just that I was a skateboarder and, uh, Started meeting kids out skating and, you know, did you ever hear Napalm Death? Did you ever hear this? Or uh, Sore Throat? I don't know if you ever heard of those guys. They were a... Uh, no, no. I believe they were from the UK. They were uh, kind of like an old, uh, it's like uh, grind where it was, I remember my buddy had the record. It was like a hundred songs on one LP type yes. of deal, you know, like a 13 second uh, yes. type of the, the lyrics were the title of the song type of deal, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it was like, oh, what's this song called? And they'd be like, whatever, you know, what are lyrics? Oh, it's the exact, it's just the title. They have enough time to say the title, <laughs> which is, there's nothing wrong with that. But, uh, um, but yeah, it was a mix of, uh, yeah, I got into a lot of that early and fortunate, a lot of punk rock too. Pittsburgh was a, more so in like the late 80s, I guess early 90s, what have you. It seemed to be a lot more of a, like a punk rock city, you know, uh, as far as shows and stuff went. Um, uh, and got to see some like pretty cool bands pretty young. I actually saw uh, there was a local band called Eviction, and I went to uh, see them once. I was trying to think. I was in probably the fifth or sixth grade, and one of the bands came wow. through and played with them. was actually a... No, it was maybe seven. But uh, Pantera, they uh, hadn't put out Cowboys from Hell yet, and they just like played this like weird little. They still were in that like uh, transitioning out yeah. of the metal phase a little bit. So I got to see like a weird uh, just Pantera show when I was still in like, middle school. Uh, we mainly went to see this band Eviction. Uh, they were a really popular punk, uh, Pittsburgh punk rock band back at the time. And uh, there was a lot of cool like uh, venues around here where you could go underage, and you know, everything was underage. Uh, 13, 14, able to go see uh, GBH and, you know, subhumans and just weird uh, stuff like that. And primarily because that's what was coming around the most. And then um, when I joined Zayo and we started touring, it wasn't until then where I really started seeing a lot of, like, you know, bigger metal acts and things like that. So, um, but yeah, I know that was kind of a vague answer to your question, but I guess uh, but the, the true soundtrack wasn't that interesting. It was just radio, you know, whatever's on the radio, kind of pop radio at the time. Um and then uh, that's not that exciting, I guess. But yeah, at a, at a young age, I was introduced. Uh, and then I had a, my mom met a guy, and he had a son from a previous marriage. Uh, so, and he played guitar, was into like a merciful fate and things like that. So uh, I, I was fortunate to, even though it wasn't like what my parents were listening to, I uh, was introduced to a lot of cool stuff at a you know, young age and was able to get my hands on it and had friends that listened to it and make you tapes and stuff, mixtapes. Uh, back in the day <laughs> that's amazing you, you stemmed a lot of questions from that one answer and i love it uh first off meat meatloaf is metal as hell and i love them those 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 <laughs> album artworks are still fucking cool yeah no that's uh when I, i'm a tattooer and when i think back it's like i remember being enamored by the bat out of hell cover just Fuck being yeah. like this is the coolest thing i've ever seen in my life i guess that's always one of the coolest things about actual vinyl too was getting to see those awesome uh that awesome artwork and designs like a uh, really big and see the more intricate details and things like that which is the way they're supposed to be experienced because yeah. looking at it especially nowadays looking at it on your phone it, it, there's no justice to the artwork in it whatsoever <laughs> yeah what was it last year i think or the year before it was the first year in history that uh vinyl outsold cds or whatever because mm -hmm. i guess no one buys cds anymore it's really not that it's like you know, like physical. It's like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get, that, I, get, I get them on the road all the time, and I'm like, "There's, no, I have no way to listen to this at my house anymore." So. <laughs> yeah, or 
or back when I got them more, you bring them home, burn them, and then put them away. And it, you know what I mean? It yeah, was like yeah. the actual physical you know, physical CD went into a Tupperware or something. And exactly. And then you stand, then you stand, as you said, that you listen to the music of the '80s, which was the music of the time. And even now, when you, we think back to it, we all think back to the music of the '80s as basically the same ten songs. We could we all name a yeah. song, and it will have that that, that yeah. emotional resurgence that comes out. And I was wondering if in the future. For our kids, when when they hit, are they going to say, you know, oh yeah, the 2010s, you know, it's not going to be the same soundtrack. That's something that's a loss because of the vast expanse of music that's out there now. We're not all being, you know, pummeled is the wrong word, uh, with the same soundtrack anymore. It's different for everyone. So I wonder what that's going to be like in the future. If there will be even any like key songs as there are now, you know, for us, uh, for the 80s. My, my daughter is more of a little bit more of a radio person uh, where, you know, she's kind of more she she likes everything. But she when we get in the car, she's kind of like whatever the popular stuff is. I, she's a little older, hangs out with her friends. And I think some of them listen to it and it's whatever. But my son is when, when they were little, I would try not to necessarily um, say, listen to this or listen to that. I would just play like weird varieties of music and see if they would latch on to things. And um he really is into like uh, he really latched on to like bands like uh, like Sleep and uh, like Electric Wizard. He likes uh, for some reason he really enjoys like that kind of more like slow, heavy kind of like Sabbathy awesome. riffage type stuff. And um, uh, trying to think what else he Wolf Mother for some reason there was a video game he had and had a uh, Wolf Mother song in the beginning and then he's like what's this and we found out now he wants to so. He's kind of into the like the fuzz rock, uh, the doom, stoner, sludge stuff, I guess, a little bit. But uh, and he's not as into the radio stuff, so I'd be curious to see you know, <laughs> with that kind of whatever. And uh, he used to like real heavy stuff when he was young because he thought the the Hulk sang, you know, like anything with like really like aggressive vocals. He was not the Hulk, yeah, sure. And he's like, I put it on again, like, All right, you know. What I mean? <laughs> My my son is is really into. I haven't said this on the podcast yet. I don't think is really 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 into Duhas from Ramstein. That's that's his that's his track. <laughs> to the point <laughs> where I was awesome. putting him to bed the other night, and and he was upset that he was with me and not with his mother. And I put on Duhast and he stopped crying and fell asleep. Which is <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. He's a Ger- German industrial uh, taste. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's awesome. Take me to your first time on stage. Do you remember the first time you performed? I'm trying to think. Man, some of that stuff's... I remember the first Zayo show I played. It was just at a fire hall. It was nerve-wracking. Um, I, mean, I had kind of uh, came in... I'm trying to think the very first show I ever played in like uh, bands before that. Uh, I was always playing bass and stuff prior mm-hmm. to that. Was that terrifying, but, uh, stepping out from behind the bass? A little bit. Well, the, the scary thing about when I started in Zayos, they were um, they were established at the time. They had been a band for a while, and uh, we had met them through. It, the scene wasn't as big back then, so we met them more through like we were one of those like local bands willing to open in like a three hour radius. Like, <laughs> oh, you're playing here, you need someone to open. We'll drive out there and open for you, or uh, you know anything like that. And then they. Uh, uh, they put out, had a few records out. They put out their first bigger record, and then after one of their first big tours, things kind of fell apart, and the drummer restructured. So they just come off this like new release and all these things, and then I got involved, and now it's kind of like, all right, I hope you're as good as the guy you know before you that just recorded this record and you know all this stuff. And it was just it was uh, 
lot of pressure in that sense, but um, uh, it's hard to explain, but, but even in this band other bands, when I'm able to play, I'm able to kind of like go somewhere else a little bit. You know what I mean? I can't explain it where I can, I get up and I'm nervous and I'm like, I'm going to step out for a little bit. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like it, it happens. I don't know. You know what I mean? Uh, Absolutely. Your reptilian brain takes over. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you just got to attack. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And it's uh, kind of just open the doors and let it happen. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> were, were, uh, you, were you ready that first show? I know for my first Cryptopsy show, I was I was barely ready. So, so I were pro- you ready? Probably. Yeah, probably not. You know what I mean? I practiced up and stuff, but I don't think you're ready. You know what I mean? It's hard because at first, you know, if you're, even if you're practiced up, you're more mechanical and just mm-hmm. trying to do a good job versus like feeling it and being in there. So... I feel like it's more that type of thing. You're kind of just like this, you know, the eggshell uh, kind of mechanical approach at first, just being like, I just want to get up there and like remember lyrics and like sound okay. And uh, it's not so later where you can kind of enjoy yourself. Enjoy, yeah. And have fun and like play music as opposed to just like some kind of like nerve wracking you know, public experiment. <laughs> I don't know. If you're a, whatever you want to call it. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's, and then, um, yeah, no, it was good. It went over well. It was weird because I had a totally different vocal style from the guy behind me, or, you know, before me. Uh, oh, let's say ahead of me, but uh, in the sense of, like, he was more of, like, a... He he had more of a traditional kind of, like, hardcore voice, I said, I guess. And he had a lot of sustain. He could really, like, hit a note in, like, I mean, like, 20, 30 seconds, just, like, with mm-hmm. power and whatever the whole time. And you're, like, sitting there, like, whatever. And I was more, <laughs> you know... I was more influenced through, um, what's weird is I always got like a lot of like people assume like it was kind of like patterning after like carcass and things like that, but it was actually, um, I don't know if you remember, there was a band from the UK in like the early nineties, they were called Iron Monkey. Uh, they were a, uh, just like a super ahead of their time sludge outfit, you know what I mean? Just like pummeling kind of like, uh, brutal, like, I mean, it fits more in that like kind of like a doom stoner stuff and the singer just had this like ripping uh just shredding high pitched voice not quite black like in the kind of realm of black metal but with a lot more like kind of like a little oomph behind it uh like power his name is john palmaro he's one of my uh always been one of my favorites and uh uh but uh, that was one of my big approaches coming up and there were some local bands that had singers that had like a similar approach. And, uh, so not only was I filling this guy's shoes, but my vocal style was like 180, you know what I mean? So it was like, well, not only did I hope they like me, but I hope they like a come like pretty much completely different delivery, you know, of these vocals. And, uh, you know, there were definitely people I'm sure that weren't into it, but you know, overall it went well and, you know, it was kind of, a, you know, Ended up, uh, I guess, people liked it or whatever, or <laughs> accepted it at some point. You know, I don't know. The well, proper. Uh, you're, you're still there, Dan. So, so everything's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about vocals in in general. Do you remember when you started screaming? Why you started screaming? Take me through to discovering harsh vocals. Uh, there was just certain vocals I was drawn to. Like I said, there were some local bands I really liked. Uh, like there was a really cool big local scene around here when I was like in high school and finishing up high school. Um, uh, I went to a technical school, which meant like I went to high school for half a day, you know, and then the other half day I went to a, a, a trade school um, for graphic, uh, graphic arts, graphic design. Wow. And it was, um, 
it was, uh, I believe, eight school districts together. So what was cool is you went in uh, and you would meet guys from all over, like different into the county. And um, I met some friends, and they're like, hey, we have friends that are in bands. You know, if you want to hang out one weekend, we'll go check them out. And then uh, started seeing there was like a, like a little bit of a hardcore metal scene, industrial, really weird. It was a lot of mixed stuff back then. You'd go to a show, and there'd be like an indie rock band and a death metal band. and You know what I mean? It was Just just so they could play, you know, that they got to sell yeah. enough tickets, basically, yeah. Yeah, and um, I was always in, like I said, that same style of vocal. There was a few local bands. Uh, there was a band called Passover, and then uh, up north there was Abnegation, and then I'm trying to remember uh, pre, what the name was, the pre-Shadows Fall. Overcast it was. Yes, yes. So it was all that kind of stuff, and um, at the time I was just playing bass, and you know, it's uh, one of those things where I was playing bass in kind of a, uh, I guess like metalcore type band and with Russ who ended up being in Zao and then Steve the drummer who for way down the road for a brief period of time was too but it's one of those things where you know at the shows I started saying you know hey, you want a mic you know they'll usually ask like guitar player you want a mic and I'd say yeah you know what and I just started like testing it out little bits at a time you know what I mean mm-hmm. uh, just doing little backups and then um, just over time I, I got comfortable and I started doing it more and more and then when we record I would you know do a, a, a lot of backup vocals and then that's kind of how I got my chance to try out you know they're like hey, I like your backup vocals and things like that and then went to uh, just doing you know, just vocals and uh, and Zay was the first band I was ever in where I did just vocals I never was you know uh, just sang in a band before that so hmm. yeah it was crazy man it was one of those just like everything happened fast and you're just happy for opportunities so you try your best and you know yeah, you always got to try, and you never know what's going to happen if you don't put yourself out there. So yeah, yeah, and uh, I guess it paid off, and you know, still there was some ups and downs, but still doing it today. You know, as much as you can today, I guess. But you know what I mean? Yeah, you guys, you guys were coming back, and the world just said, "No, you're not." <laughs> yeah, we actually had a new record done, and we just were sitting on it, uh, just going to kind of wait until maybe next year when, not even necessarily when you can tour, but uh, just kind of. Hopefully things start to breathe a little bit, you know, and you can. So it's kind of we're all really excited about it. So it's kind of sitting on it's a little bit, you know, what have you. And we had a, some really cool shows. We don't tour tour a lot. Uh, it's primarily my kind of it's on me a little bit. But uh, with the family and stuff, it's hard for me to go away for long periods of time. Because uh, of uh, like schedules and stuff with my wife. But uh, we had some cool stuff lined up uh, this summer. And, uh, you know, that's probably the biggest bummer of everything is not being able to see or play music. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, and I don't know. Uh, I'm really curious to see what happens, you know. Uh, a lot of small venues, the type of venues that we usually would play, seem to be kind of just slowly. Yeah. Uh, they're Closing up. You know, it seems like the theme of all this is like a lot of the kind of big corporate stuff is going to make it because there's backing. And then a lot of the little things are kind of shriveling up and you know what i mean kind of going away whether it's a restaurant or a venue or a, um what have you so i'm curious to see where when this is all over you know where the you know uh bands like at our caliber can even get out and play you know that's and, true that's very true that's sad that's true and that's why uh daniel defonce who was mm-hmm, booking yeah. Uh, devastation on the nation he was one of the first people to postpone when trump 
canceled all international flights back in March. And now he, again, is one of the first people to just say, no, I'm not postponing it again. I'm canceling it. And we'll book it if we can in the future. Because who knows if any of these venues that I've booked or reserved is even going to still exist. So so another wise, wise decision by Dan DeFonce, who I love. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we uh, we were supposed to maybe drive down to play this festival, and I was talking to our drummer Jeff the other day, and supposedly, to to, to make it worthwhile, we were going to hit some uh, play some shows on the way down. And uh, I could be, I hope I'm not mistaken, but I believe he said that like the routing we had to get down there, that most of those venues are closed now. So if we would try to do the same thing, like say in the summer, there's a chance, you know what I mean? That's like physically not possible it's to. Uh, to run that route again, you know what I mean? Which is like for us is what makes everything able to do. We try to always sneak in, you know, extra shows and stuff you to, to. Uh, you know, just to make ends meet. And, you know, you're not trying to necessarily make, we used to call it, uh, you know, you're not trying to make like uh, money outside of just the money you would need to, whether fill the void in the taking time off your, uh, you know, day job or, 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 you know what I mean, or just to cover your bills and stuff. So. You know, it makes it hard sometimes to go out and just take a hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and it's crazy because uh, I guess that's what's wild about right now is the uncertainty of everything, you know. And uh, I guess it's unprecedented in a sense. I feel like things like this have generally happened before, you know what I mean, in the sense of, uh, you know, pand- you know epidemic, pandemics and things like that. What was it, 1918 with the Spanish flu and all that similar kind of general similarities and uh in the sense of masks and social distancing and things being shut down, but um, I'm sure it'll happen again too. But uh, you know, this time and with what we have, this is the you know, I don't think really a lot of it's no one really knows what to do. <laughs> our our generation, it's it's just yeah. so new and and scary, and and uncertainty is scary. But we have to remain positive, and hopefully, you know, it's history is not going to completely repeat itself and have yeah. prohibition coming up next because yeah. that would make me very upset. Yeah. <laughs> You mentioned a new record. You guys, you guys are independent. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, we do. Uh, we have our own label, in the sense of we just use our own label to operate as ourselves. Let's talk about that. Let's say the whole idea because Cryptopsy was independent since 2012, and subsequently, just this year, we signed to a label. Um, let's talk about being independent and making that decision to go independent. Oh uh, well, it was. One of our big things is uh, we weren't able to tour a ton, and I f- we felt bad because almost any label you get involved with obviously expects you to get out there a certain amount. Uh, so the, the first decisions of this were, uh, you know, to be able to not be under any sort of pressure to, you know what I mean, fulfill anything. And uh, so the, the label's called Observed Observer. Uh, like I said, we don't sign other bands. We just put out our own content, and we try really hard to do everything like ahead of time. Uh, like so, when we would tour, play shows, or when we sell prior releases or, or merchandise like T-shirts, we tend to not even give ourselves a lot, but put everything towards the next project, and it keeps everything self-funding. And uh, we, uh, you know, uh, we also run unanimously, so we don't actually make any, uh, we don't do anything, even if one member uh, doesn't want to do it. So wow, okay, uh, cool. You know, we were able to kind of. Um, Operate like that, so to do a new record, and uh, our drummer Jeff is the real driving force behind everything. As far as he's very uh, business minded in the sense where he does a lot of the red tape stuff, and uh, you know, and dealing with everything from dealing with like the pressing plants and so on and so forth. And uh, but it, it's good, and and it's um, 
it's not anyone's main income, so it's also we're in a little different, you know what I mean, thing with that where it's more like it just it's like a, it disables us to operate freely. It's not a big, uh, it's not a big source of income per se, but it allows us to at least do the the artistic side of it, you know, writing and recording and putting out content with, uh, you know what I mean, without like having to fund it personally, and uh, you know, doing okay. And then we're. Uh, we're kind of partners or partners with this place called Holy Mountain. Uh, they're a printing place, and uh, Danny's awesome. He's the guy that runs it, and we kind of uh, they help us out. And uh, you know, when we put out a record, we kind of put it out. Uh, they they do a lot of the shipping, and um, which is which is the shittiest part. So yeah, they, they they do the warehousing and the shipping, and you know That's what I amazing. mean, and all that. And, and then we put they, you know we put their uh, logo on our stuff, and they're great. And we're we're proud to you know uh, kind of represent them or you know be in this with them in the sense of they you know uh, we you know get all our merch exclusively through them and they do awesome work as far as screen printing and stuff but danny's even just personally and it's like it's rare actually like you know it's cool to like text back and forth with them about uh, he's into certain things like uh you know comics and uh anime and stuff I don't, it's, it's cool it's just like he's like a cool guy and uh so that's a big part of it too, because that allows us to, you know, gives us a platform to, you know, uh, not only get you know, merchandise made, but to like warehouse it and ship it and everything like that. And um, so it's all these like weird little things that enable us to kind of do it, uh, kind of like low key and uh, and fun. But we it's something I, you know, it takes up a good chunk of my week, whether you're recording or writing or dealing with something or this or that. So it's a it's a lot. We just don't get out and play a ton and. I'm trying to record and I put out a lot of content more, you know, to make up for not being able to tour. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That must have been frustrating when uh, you guys operate unanimously. Uh, so it must have been difficult deciding to shelve this this record because a record is a baby. It's something that you've worked on very hard and you want to share it with the fans, share it with the world, get it out there. So it must have been a difficult, a difficult band meeting. Yeah. Yeah, no, and it was, uh, but, you know, we didn't want to, there was like a, some other, like, um, we try not to release stuff, and there's other big releases. We don't have a ton of money for advertising, so, mm-hmm. you know, if there's a lot of stuff coming out, we necessarily can't compete with that. So we usually wait for holes, and we were figuring, uh, there's a couple other releases from bands and, like, certain genres that were coming out that were big, and then we also always screw ourselves, and uh, this is weird, but, you know, it's like if you release a record too close to the end of the year... Yeah. You can never get on any of the album, like not album of the year, but you can never get on any of the good, like reviewed up stuff. So it's like, we're not going to release something in December again and then get, you know what I mean? You almost get like, everyone's Forgotten. already wrote their lists. And, and I'm not saying we make that, but like even just little <laughs> stuff like that. You know, it's like, oh, wait till next year. And I would think maybe when, I don't know, when all this wraps up, I would imagine there's going to be a ton of releases coming out. You know, I'm sure a lot of people are sitting around writing. And, exactly. It's going to be hell for record labels to schedule all this coming out. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about craft beer. Um, let's let's. Uh, has Zayo ever made a beer, like a beer collab? Yeah, we've done. Well, we did one with our friend Pete from Against the Grain Brewing. Uh, they're in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, we had a record come out, and um, uh, the one tension virus, and there was a. Uh, we ended up doing a beer called Burned at the Stake. And it was uh, like a smoked uh, kind of pepper stout, sweet oh, stout. Oh, cool. And um, it didn't get, it's, it's kind of hard to explain. It didn't get uh, officially bottled, but it came out in kegs and we had like a release. And then we actually, uh, 
We didn't make a big announcement yet, but we have another, uh, we have a sour beer coming out uh, with a brewery in Michigan. Um, as soon as we can get some dates, we're going to announce that. But yeah, no, uh, I love, it's like, it's awesome to be able to do beer collaborations. And uh, do you guys have any? I didn't know if you... Crypt House, he does. To... It's actually coming out very, very soon. It's not announced nice. yet. I've done like something. I've gone live with the brewer on Instagram. Um, maybe by the time this is out, it's been announced and it's happening. It's with Kanawaki Brewing Company here in Montreal. And it is called Crisp Topsy. And it's nice. a new world pilsner called Pilsner Supremacy. Nice. So it's a double a dry hop, double dry hop pilsner, <laughs> and uh, mono mosaic hops. I'm, I'm stoked to taste it. The can art is a reimagining of the Whisper Supremacy artwork, hence the Pilsner Supremacy. I'm 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 stoked about it. I can't wait to try it. And that was my introduction album back in the day too. So oh, you know what cool. I mean? Or yeah. it's a Cryptop. You know what I mean? Like yeah. my first like Cryptopsy introduction was Whisper Supremacy. We had a guy. Um, uh, that yeah, he had a label called Willow Tip. He had signed mm-hmm. some uh, local bands. Uh, I believe Creationist Crucifixion uh, did some stuff with him. And the, there was a local band called Circle of Dead Children. Yeah. But he uh, he used to come with us and do uh, merch. And uh, remember when people had distros, he'd come and do merch and have a distro. But uh, he was the first person that, uh, you know, he'd come to your house and be like, did you ever hear this? Did you ever hear this? I you know it. what I mean? And, and uh, but yeah, that was the first. Whisper Supremacy was my first introduction, which was awesome. I was very excited when my friend David was, uh, mentioned this. I was like, uh, yeah. No, he's like, would you want to do this? I'm like, of course. That's like, uh, you know what I mean? Amazing. Shout okay. out to David Lay for hooking up this interview. Yes. yes. Thank you. Absolutely. I've known, known him for a very long time. Uh, he's always been around. But uh, but yeah, I know this other beer. It's, uh, it should be cool. Um, I actually uh, am kind of at a standstill because I don't know if I what I'm supposed to say or not say about it. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> you know no what I mean? whatsoever. We actually did it quite a while ago. What's nice is it's a proper it's a proper wild ale, so it'll con- continue you know continue to condition, so mm-hmm. it's not going it's not going flat or anything like that. It's just it's just the the yeast is making it better and better. But what was cool was we actually so a couple of the, uh, a couple of the guys in Zao enjoy beer. Uh, Jeff, the drummer, uh, I would say would second to me is probably the most into stuff. And then Scott and then uh, Marty and Russ. Are, one guy, Russ, is more of like an actually wine drinker and so on and so forth. But it was really cool. This um, actually do uh, I do beer labels. Uh, it's one of the other things I do for a brewery uh, back here called Insurrection Aleworks. Um, I do all their just uh, can art and label art and things like that. And um, uh, the brewer there uh, messaged me one day and said, hey, I got a brewer friend I met at... Uh, you know, a festival. He's uh, interested in you guys. Would like to maybe do a beer collab. So we made some time on a run to stop by, and we got there, and he had probably like twenty some samples for each of us out. You know, like little like uh, half ounce pours. And the craziest part is uh, some of the guys are into beer, some aren't. But uh, he said, "You know, pick your five favorite, and we'll go from there." And we all picked the same five. It was wow. crazy. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's going to be a, it's a little bit of a. It's a golden sour. It has a tiny bit of gin barrel, uh, some cherry, a little bit of vanilla, a couple other things. It's a nice, uh, it's something that's not uh, so crazy that maybe someone that's not willing to beer would, you know, be kind of like off put by. But I also feel like it's someone that, as in, you know, that likes wild ales especially, would enjoy the subtleties of uh, the flavors. Um, yeah, but it came out really good and uh, I'm excited. I'm just kind of been sitting on it, you know. Uh, very, same very thing. Cool. As soon as we're able to announce some stuff, it's kind of co- it's um, and not on purpose. It kind of coincides with one of the uh, singles we might release, you know, when we're able to get something out there. Uh, so we're probably going to try to like 
And I kind of have a multiple, you know, release a single, kind of announce the beer, try to have everyone benefit. And, um, but yeah, what's your, uh, like, what's your favorite styles? I've listened to some of the shows, but as far as I know, because uh, I have, you know, I like everything. I love them all. I, I, I really, really enjoy the Crispy Boys, the, the resurgence of the Pilsners and Lagers, uh, the Kolsch's. Uh, Montreal's really getting really hot for that right now. I also enjoy the, the Smoothie Sours, which is like all the rage from uh, this place up here, Pub Brewski. Oh, nice. Killer, killer Smoothie Sours, which is basically f- uh, fruit puree. Yeah, that's a, what, that's a, the a, other. That's okay. the you have? Yeah. Mixed mixed with a uh, a kettle sour beer, delicious, delicious. And then I love, of course, you know the the hazy boys. Yeah, just 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 killing it up here. Finally, we were a little bit late up here in Montreal getting on the the haze craze. Uh, we liked it, uh, but it took a long time for brewers to finally start nailing it. But now everyone is on on track. And then of course the big stouts. I feel like our sour game is not there yet. There's nobody that's really nailing those complex wild ale sours yet there's there's a few places i'll give a shout out to uh avagal brasserie artisanal that that has nailed that but I, I would like to see more in the style that's coming out in the states that's really just much more complex and, and like exactly like that beer that you were describing before but do, do you guys get um from what i understand because i had a friend that used to go back and forth do you guys see like distribution of things like cantillon and things like that up there at we, all there, there's imports that come through but it comes through our liquor store and there's private import people that bring them in and then they announce them and sell them in the liquor store but you can't just get them it's it's very very difficult and when you do get them they're hit or miss depending on how long they've been in, in a boat coming across the ocean <laughs> yeah no, i'm the same i like uh and haze. It's it's crazy because when I first got into beer, and I, I I was always I liked IPAs from the very beginning, and there was this part of me that was like I wish, you know, some of the astringent kind of alcohol bite would go down, maybe a tiny bit of the bitterness. I don't always dislike bitterness, but like sometimes that bitterness mixed with like a you know like a, a higher ABV West Coast, and you almost get like that um yeah you know, like that astringent alcohol, mm-hmm. like actually like, r- rubbing alcohol almost type of uh, like. Uh, flavored, so it's always like you know what I wish like you could get rid of a little bit of that astringency and kind of like bitterness and maybe replace it with some softness and more hot presence and then yeah when I had that first trillium I'm like like this this is what <laughs> this is what I've always kind of in my head pictured so I've been on board with all the hazy stuff since the beginning right when I got into it there was a one of the first places around here was called uh, the Brew Gentleman we're making some fantastic ones and then. I have a lot of friends that uh, now, even that'll run out, you know, they'll be like, I'm going to drive four hours and grab a couple cases and drive back and they'll go, you know, somewhere and grab some good stuff. And so, yeah, I love the fruity, um, like the fruit smoothie stuff too. There's a, um, there's a place in, uh, outside of Philly called Imprint. And then, but one of my new favorite places, they're called, uh, actually, um, messaged them today on the correct pronunciation because I wasn't sure, but they're called Mortalis. Mm, I, I've definitely heard um, that name, yeah. But they have these uh, these hydras. Yes. This is uh, this is raspberry, blackberry, strawberry, marshmallow, walnut, maple. Fuck yes, and, and um, I've heard that they are. The, it's the number one smoothie. They're great. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. And what I'll say is, like, with hazy beers and like pastry stouts and things, like, I feel like sometimes they get a bad rap because people act like you know if you put fruit or you know like in you know, a stout, you know, like a vanilla or marshmallows or you know hazy beers, like. 
that it's just uh, it's just easy. And I'm like, well, I've had a lot of terrible beers in that style. You know what I mean? I've had bad stouts with a million things in it, and you know. So it's like um, when you get a good one that nails it, it's you know I don't think it's whatever, but I appreciate it. It's, it's fantastic. Absolutely, but that comes that comes back to the 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 law of purity mentality and the old school brewers that that are just being obfuscated with with the new creative angles where where beer is becoming closer to to cooking you know what i mean like as opposed to just following the law with the same three ingredients and then changing it so so it's people are getting very i mean up here in montreal it was it was it the the haze craze made the old school brewers very upset oh it's the same here it's the same here and I, and I think the other thing that kind of the, um, I don't know, the uh, the other part about that that stings is they sell like crazy. I mean, that's... Yeah, exactly. As a, as, you know, as a brewery trying to make money off of consumers, you have to from... And, and I'm just saying, I'm not saying I know this, uh, you know, I know of breweries that... Um, I was told a story about, you know, there's the pop you know popular brewery Monkish out on the West Coast that, you know, they were Monkish. They were uh, like a sour Belgian brewery and... They really never did the hazy stuff, and you know they started doing it, and you know blew up and allowed them to do everything you know they wanted to. And I feel like, um, uh, you know, anymore it's like that's you know if you want to make them and you make them well, that's where the money is, and then you can do the things you wanted to do. You know, exactly. Not on the side. And Monkish Sours were fantastic. I was fortunate to go there once, and I had a couple hazy beers, and then I, I actually their sours were probably even more impressive. You know what I mean? So it was mm-hmm. really cool to be like, to get to try that. But no, it makes a, the other thing I noticed is all the brewers I know, they all drink like, uh, they're just like lagers. You know what I mean? You'll go hang out and they have all access to all these crazy beers and not only that they made, but the things you would like pick up from, uh, you know, uh, you know, like, hey man, here's a bottle of this, try this or whatever. And a lot of those guys I know, they're, the simple beer, the pleasures of beer, just just those three ingredients. And there's a, there's an art to it, and they they do appreciate it. And uh, I, I as you were mentioning that 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 people are have to make haze so that they can pay for their 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 personal pet projects. Uh, it makes me think of uh, if we were artists and we went out and we started recording pop songs to pay for. Our, our projects, how we would feel about that. So I can understand how these old school brewers get frustrated. Yeah. One of my uh, favorite things is uh, I used to, uh, there was an old uh, cartoon on liquid television on MTV. And they made it into a movie that wasn't very good, but uh, Eon Flux. Mm. It was an old uh, yeah, cartoon. I uh, started on liquid TV and had a couple uh, you know seasons. It's, it's one of my favorite. The, the movie wasn't very good. Uh, I kind of knew that the second they announced we were going to make a movie of it, but um, what's crazy is Peter Chung, the animator that did he on Flux, he made all his money by doing uh, Rugrats, the kid show <laughs> on Nickelodeon. So, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Exactly it's just like, like that. Uh, <laughs> and hey, there's a you know if you're if you're a brewer and you got to do this one thing to make it, it's better than having to do some other outside nine to five mundane thing. You know, like I'd rather draw a kids cartoon to fund my cool cartoons than you know what I mean. Go do I don't know big bitches or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, like absolutely. Uh, at least you're still, you know, if you're writing pop songs, like at least I'm in a studio and you know what I mean? Like, I wanted to talk about you being an artist and being a tattoo artist. Um, I didn't know you designed beer labels. So that's very, very cool. Take, take me to, to you being young. Were you always someone that drew? Is it something that was a, just something that, you, that happened to you? Like you picked out up a pair of uh, something in your hand and you started making stuff right away? Uh, I always, from as long as I could, like to draw and I tried my best. And I think the biggest uh, pushes for the things that made me want to draw and like, create art was 
record covers and posters, you know, whether it be like um, even even when I was young and into Iron Maiden. I mean, I always thought that was the coolest thing that they uh, I, I, I'm drawing a blank on his name, which I'm embarrassed. But, you know, like all the different Eddies, like whether it's like Power Slave or Aces High, I always thought it was cool that there was this character and this like amazing art and then skateboard art as well and uh, comics. Uh, and I just kept pushing and I didn't actually uh, take much interest in tattoos until my uh, the drummer Zeo and he was the first person I know that had like really nice kind of like custom stuff and I was kind of like, I've never seen tattoos like that before and I actually went did art my whole life and around the time I joined the band I had gotten really discouraged uh, I kind of had this like fire in my youth of like uh, getting older and you know, getting involved with a skateboard company or doing art for something like that and I got that to that like 18 or 19 and it was just like you know, and it's not like it is today, I guess, where you have like social media and there's all these outlets and ways to meet people. And I just kind of hit this wall and was like, I don't, you know, I don't have any outlets. I don't know what I would do. And I kind of like put the, you know, put my pencils down and stuff for a while. And it wasn't until uh, I met Jesse and then started going to some tattoo shops and that art kind of like, some of it reminded me of like the art that inspired me in my past. And um, that's where I kind of like uh, found my, I guess, you know, drive again to, to, create like you know visual arts and then um, I was fortunate to um, early on a guy that was I was getting a lot of work from uh, ended up apprenticing me and I got my foot in the door and was lucky to get in a, some good shops out in this in the general area where I live and was able to kind of like learn and grow but uh, yeah it all goes back to you know it all kind of comes full circle with like music and album art and you know tattoos and, and all that stuff and uh and I'm, it's pretty cool. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that kind of just didn't, if that never would have happened, I don't know. Might have never picked the pencil up again. Who knows? Or, it's crazy. Know. Hey, yeah. life is beautiful. Every every decision it guides us somewhere. So we always have to, you know, just take that chance. You never know. You never, never know. Had you had you not said, yeah, yeah, throw that mic up. I'm going to scream backups. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> at yeah. those early shows, you know, you would have never gotten there at all. It's amazing. I love and it. That's, uh, and that's the one thing I've always tried to put myself out there in any opportunity I got. Like, I have actually pretty bad anxiety, too. So even little things, I get, you know, whatever, and I still just, I'll agree and then see it through. You know what I mean? Even things like this. Not that it's anything whatever, but I'm always worried, like, you know, I'm sure everybody's worried about sounding, saying something stupid or sounding, you know, uh, uh, you know, listening back and being like, what am I talking about? Uh, or sounding redundant. I also have a, sometimes I have trouble uh as soon as I go to recall something, it's like I'll get this like anxious shutdown, like mm. a name, like oh yeah, my best friend growing up, his name was yeah, uh, you know. <laughs> and then you're you know, gonna like, finish this, and you're gonna be like the artist that did Iron Maiden is blah blah blah. blah. Yeah. <laughs> or it's like uh, you know, like uh, yeah, my favorite singer was that guy in that band, uh, you know, whatever. His name was you know, and you're like yes. <laughs> it's like, I guess, and if you, people are like, oh, your favorite singer, huh? Can't even remember his name. It's like, yeah, it's like, and I would have you, but that's amazing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, hopefully, if we ever make it up there, if I can uh, get some stuff up with me, I'll bring you some. Same. You know what I mean? Same. Uh, some uh, whatever. Do you guys are you able to get anything up there? Like any of the like uh, kind of like mail order stuff at all? Or no? No, completely illegal. And uh, there is, of course, the whole illicit beer trade. Uh, system that goes on clandestinely, which is illegal, people. I don't suggest you do it because it is illegal, but it, it, it happens. Uh, let's wrap this up with one last question, a classic wrap-up question at this point. What is your hangover cure? It probably doesn't happen because you have young kids, you're, you're in control, <sighs> but every once in a while, 
we have one too many. Usually, uh, some this is, sounds weird, but uh, I found like trying to find one way or another to sweat it out a little bit, which is whether uh, crank the shower pot and sit in the bathroom. You know what I mean? And then uh, anything with raw ginger in it. Uh, you know really? what I mean? Like uh, I found uh, when I was in on our honeymoon, we were in Hawaii, and I was able to buy this just like straight ginger drink. But the closest thing I can find back here is uh, it's actually a kombucha, which like this thick with ginger kombucha and i feel like uh if i can wake up and even if i feel you found eat much if i can uh you know in the summer something uh, if i can you know, do a little bit of yard work or something sweat it out have some ginger it seems to be the uh some you know sweat some of the toxins out and replace it with some ginger seems to be feels really good on the stomach and um but yeah and i try to it's crazy man anymore i hit a wall i usually i'm not saying i don't have too much every once in a while but one nice thing about heavy craft beer is sometimes when you get to that point where maybe you're taking on too much or you're really going to whatever, it's almost like it's like, uh, you know, it's like, it's like, like, uh, no, I'm going to shut my eyes for a minute or something before I can get too, you know, into trouble. But it's amazing. You have a self-defense mechanism. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dan, thank you so much for taking some time. Thank you. Having a chat with me, talking about your life, music, and of course, beautiful craft beers. Um, I'm stoked for that new Zayo record, which will come out as soon as it can. And uh, I'm sure everyone else is listening as well. Cheers, Dan. Cheers, sir. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. What a great chat. I had such a great time with Dan. What a great craft beer friend. I know that we are going to sit down and share craft beer together right after the apocalypse is finished. I am super, super looking forward to that. I'm also super looking forward to that new Zayo record, which they're waiting to release. You should absolutely hit them up and tell them to drop it because you guys are super stoked to hear it as well. If you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should absolutely go and subscribe to it on the podcast platform of your choice. But not only that, take the time to rate it and write a review, because if you do that, more people just like yourself will discover the Vox and Hops podcast. Vox and Hops is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. I have two more episodes dropping this week. That's right. This coming Thursday, I have the very special live Thirsty Thursday interview, which I conducted last week with Andrew Garrity. This is the third time that Andrew Garrity has been on Vox and Hops, and if you've listened to any of his previous episodes, you know that he is always a riot. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.